podcasting from the CRW studio, this is the Two Drink Minimum with your hosts, Henny and Patron. Cheers, college football fanatics, and welcome to the Two Drink Minimum. I am Dan Patron, and with me as always is Kevin Hennigan and DZ. Tonight, week 12 of the season and the third set of the college football playoff rankings are out. I'd give you an outline, but there's just too much to discuss. Michigan State's going to play Ohio State. Arkansas is going to play Alabama. Oregon's going to play Utah. Cincinnati's going to play SMU. These games highlight this week of college football where things are going to get very interesting for the college football playoff. We'll discuss those games, upset alerts, must-see games, as well as the college football playoff forecast, gripes, and, of course, my favorite, hypotheticals. Next on the two-drink minimum. Gentlemen. These rankings are put out just for you. Like, yeah. So you can look at what if this happens, where I, would this yeah, team go? I, I haven't even looked Michigan yet. Michigan State wins. I haven't even looked yet. I'm about to. All right. As, as I cracked into this Founder Centennial IPA, the big boy, you brought the 19-ouncer for us, honey? 19-2. And, and celebrate. So to disrespect yeah, the, come on. the Wait, point I thought two. that was the, the interest. I thought that was the ABV. Send it back. <laughs> Send it back. So I, this is in honor of, of the, the Michigan State Sparty Party heading, heading to Columbus, correct, Henning? Sure, um, yeah. So before we get to the games, though, uh, let's take a look. Let, let's take a look and unpack the latest iteration of the college football playoff rankings. Not, you haven't seen them? Not much. I just pulled them up right now. I heard you guys talking about them a little bit pregame. But it, it looks like not much has changed coming into this week at the top. Cincinnati still sits there on the outside looking in uh, to three teams that have a one loss. Michigan with one loss, Michigan State. Notre Dame, who they beat. Oklahoma State, Wake Forest sneaking up behind them all with one loss. First impressions of this as I pour our beverage. Hennigan, DZ, I'd be interested to see. I, I, and we purposely don't watch the unveiling of these. We'll, we just look at them real quickly before it. But I would be interested to see what the conversation was when they're unveiling these and it's just the same top seven teams with absolutely no change. They all won, right? Not a lot of drama going right. on there. They all won last week, so it was expected. I was wondering if they would do something weird with Ohio State and Oregon. After what we saw Ohio State do to Purdue and Oregon for a half struggled with Washington State or the Michigan-Michigan State kind of thing. So I thought just to have something to talk about, a couple teams might get flipped around. But no change in those top seven, no surprises there. And I'm okay with Cincinnati at five. I have no problem with that. And really the only change was with Oklahoma in the top 15. Plummeting. They're the only ones that really plummeted. Plummeting. And it was so right. – I, I think that was a little bit reactionary. They dropped – all the way down to 13th. So they've dropped five spots. They're now behind two teams that have two losses. So they must consider, you know, their resume and those nine wins not really impressive. And and Oklahoma, they have a chance to make up for it. They had a backloaded schedule. I think their last two weeks are, are a little tricky. Um, because Iowa Oklahoma State being State, bad, though. Like, Iowa State Iowa being State, six and yeah. four or whatever, really – I. You, I would not have thought on November 20th, that Oklahoma-Iowa State game, I, I thought it would be the top two, two of the top ten teams in the country playing for who's going to, like a rematch is probably a couple weeks away. Iowa but State's playing for pride. Yeah, yeah, but you didn't think Oklahoma State was going to be a top eligible. ten team right. at the beginning of the season. You're looking at the schedule. So they still can get a top ten win and jump up. I would expect them to jump, you know, 
at least three or four spots. They could even crack the top ten if they beat Oklahoma State. They were disrespecting Oklahoma. They, oh, they had Oklahoma play. at eight. Yeah, going I mean, into last week, so that could as be, an undefeated team. As, as an, an undefeated all the complaining team. about Cincinnati and all of those things where they are, that the committee did not think highly of Oklahoma. No, with where and, they had them. Well, and Oklahoma has a chance. They're going to play. You know, obviously they're they're going to play Oklahoma State, and then they still have a chance to play in that Big Twelve championship game as well, depending on tiebreakers and so on and so forth. So you know, they may get another crack at Baylor. They may get, but so they're going to get another one or two high-profile games if they can make it to that championship game. But I don't know that it's going to be enough. I mean, it, it's it makes sense. Them dropping makes sense if you're with the committee and you don't like the Big 12. If you do like the Big 12, these rankings make zero sense whatsoever. You know what I mean? Like It, it, it all depends on how you view these conferences. Are you a believer in the Big 10? If you're a believer in the Big Ten, then you love these rankings. They make all the sense in the world to you. Maybe Michigan and Michigan State should be ahead of Cincinnati. If you don't believe in the Big Ten, you're going, what, what's the big deal with this conference? Why are all their teams right up there? Because they scheduled that? smart. That's why they're right here. The Big Ten was brilliant with how they scheduled. You backload and you make sure your heavy matchups. Everybody should do this. Backload, and, and, but you don't play anybody on the front end. But then, you, know, but you non, don't need their to. Non-conference schedules were putrid. But you let your teams. You let your team. Well, I don't agree no, with Penn that. Penn State played Auburn. No, but no, Michigan played, played Washington. Washington. They thought Michigan Washington. State oh, they thought Washington team. would be Michigan good. State, Ohio State played Oregon. Michigan State played at Miami. And lost. But right. But yeah. they, scheduled but they the still games. scheduled tough games. I thought they had some decent out. But I think the scheduling is huge. And if you're a conference, you steal this plan from the Big Ten. Is you just, like Alabama and A&M playing when they did. Like You don't want your best teams to play until yeah. late so they can do exactly what I think, Dave, you were talking about. Teams just move up because somebody has to Other be people there. are losing. Yeah, but Other it, people are losing. Didn't, so the now Big you're Ten, great. didn't the Big Ten just steal this plan from the Big 12? Though I mean, this is what the Big 12 has done for years other than a game that's centered around the Texas State Fair. So you're not really going to change, you know, the Red River shootout. But the Big T- the Big 12 has always been back-ending these games, you know, it pl- being played in November and December. Bedlam is always that last week of the season. And they always get you Oklahoma know, so, in doing uh, it. You know, so you've got, you've got um, the Big 12 who just one plays two instead of the divisions has sort of been doing this doing this for years. Well, uh, Oklahoma followed the same model. The only problem is they, I mean, they got a, a low draw in that they scheduled Nebraska as their out-of-conference early in the year, so they didn't get anything for that. But they're done 10 years ahead of time. That's what I hate about college mm-hmm. football. The scheduling is an issue for your out-of-conference Unless stuff. it's yeah. a COVID year and it only takes three days to schedule a game. Right. right. But having those contracts done so far ahead of time hurts for that reason because there could be a great matchup, an attractive non-conference matchup that you'd love to see. And when you schedule it, it's now you're scheduling games in 2032. Like that's right now, that's what they're scheduling. It's crazy to do. Yeah, it hurts the it hurts the game. And I wonder it's the what, only flaw in the whole thing. The only flaw <laughs> in all of college football. <laughs> I love everything else except that. It's the only thing I would change. I wonder what's the what is pressuring them to look so far out ahead. Are they worried about just losing that opponent, like others people schedule, getting filled without a conference games? And then just being left there with no teams to schedule. Yeah, it's a weird thing to do. I Traveling. Know. I mean, you don't want to be left. You don't want to be left without a dance partner. Right. Yeah. Allow your fan base to travel. You know, like Syracuse can plan on going to Knoxville and yeah, five it's years like, or whatever I mean, it is. Like Kevin, for example, he's not a handsome guy, 
So when it comes time to find a prom date, he's he's asking girls the first day of school. You know, he's trying to lock something he's up. He's asking girls in eighth grade. <laughs> and that just, when I was in eighth grade. Holding on for dear life. <laughs> So, yeah, same same age, eighth grade. Right, I just not nah, that senior noted. in an eighth grade. Right. I said while he's in eighth grade, right? Okay. I didn't, okay. didn't I? Did, I, did I, I was say, asking eighth graders. Did I say he's asking? It doesn't hurt in these scenarios to be super clear on what we're talking about. You're my attorney, are you? Come on. While he's in eighth grade, he's he got a reputation, a here. fellow eighth grader. Oh, sheesh. Um, okay, get us back on track. <laughs> You're the one that went down the prom date. Right? I, I was clarifying Kevin, to keep Kevin, him out of jail. <laughs> right. All right. Kevin's outside the top ten of Dave's college football, or Dave's handsome football playoff rankings. He's, he's, he's overrated. Though, he's but, overrated. But effective. But effective. Okay. Georgia is obviously the clear-cut number one team in the country. There, there really hasn't been any issue with that all year long. I think until proven otherwise, that's what you have and that's who you're going to get. I'm geeked to watch Georgia play Alabama, and there's a scenario there that's interesting if Alabama wins or loses a close game, but that that can come down the line as we look at that. I don't have any problem with Alabama being second in the country either. I mean, any of these teams behind them, would you pick them on a neutral field game? Would you pick any of these teams behind them on a neutral field game to even be single-digit underdogs? Ohio State. Uh, they're a single-digit dog, you think? With Alabama? With Alabama. I like the Ohio State team. I think they're the one team that has the weapons offensively that can match up with Georgia and Alabama. And I don't think you can go much past Ohio State. Ohio State would rather play Georgia than Alabama because Ohio State would not be able to stop the Alabama passing game. I mean, their pass defense is atrocious. Yeah, it's bad. They're, they're, you're watching. Yeah, they put up gobs of points against Purdue last week, but they also gave up gobs of points. So that's why you know, as we get into this Michigan State game here, and let's just let's just jump right into that. Oof. It's good that for Ohio State as they play this marquee matchup, and it's you know it's going to be huge to get this win over number seven Michigan State. That might jump them finally into that three spot over Oregon. But they play a team who doesn't pass the ball at the same rate that they that they run the ball. They're obviously they've got Kenneth Walker the third, who is a stud, legit Heisman Trophy candidate, one of the best running backs in the country. But Michigan State doesn't pass the ball real well, and that's what Ohio State is horrible at. Yeah, I've got the. I love this matchup for Ohio State. They match up so much better against Michigan State than they do against Michigan or even Penn State. Michigan and Penn State have good secondaries. Michigan State, the secondary is weak. And I think if you were watching Michigan State when they matched up, they struggled so much against Purdue and that type of offense and the and the short passes. Um, I think they're going to struggle. Michigan State that is defending Ohio State's passing game. Aren't they dead yeah. last in the country in passing yeah. yards allowed per game? Yeah. They're and, and DFL so, in the country. And, and so that's their... Yeah, I believe so. And so it, and, you can and, fact check that. And that's a great point. On the other side, as you're, as you're pointing out, that's something that Ohio State does very well and Michigan State does very poorly. So Ohio State offense does very well. Michigan State defense does very poorly. On the other side of it, as we talk about Ohio State's defensive secondary not being very good they're going up against a michigan state 
aerial attack that's also not very good. So you're mm-hmm. not playing this, you know, you got a strength against weakness on the offensive side for Ohio State, and then defensively, your weakness is not going to be exposed by a weak pass game of Michigan State. You know. And and to the to the point, you Kirk know, Cousins ain't walking through that door. Yeah, you're you're right on the uh, on the mark here because since that defensive play calling changes and and I think it was they made that defensive coordinator change uh strips with Kerry Combs of his play calling duties for Ohio State after the Oregon loss they gave up in their first two games Minnesota and Oregon they gave up 203 and 269 yards on the ground in those two games they made the change got a different guy uh, calling the defense and they have given up on average 73 yards on the ground the highest they gave up 111 and 113 yards in two games Every other game just nubs, like, completely shut down any sort of rushing attack against them after that embarrassment. Or Oregon ran all over them. Like, that's how they won the game. And they have totally just flipped the script on that, made that the strength of their defense since that coaching change. And, you know, what team do you match up better than than a team you know is just going to run with, with their Heisman Trophy candidate running back Probably the best running back in the country. But the other two besides good besides Sean Tucker, those were the, good point. Those two running backs in those first two games. Those are the only two really good running backs they've seen, though. So yes, they might have made a change. But you had Mo Ibrahim in Week One go for 163 and two touchdowns. C.J. Verdell go for 161 and two touchdowns. And then, can you name a running back on any of the other teams that they've played? Yeah, I mean they just wanted to throw the ball. But no, you know, look, it, like they haven't Purdue played a just team wanted to throw run. the ball. Maryland just wanted to throw the ball. You know, the, the, those teams that they that Ohio State has played since then just wanted to throw the ball. So maybe they made some changes. Nebraska also, doesn't know what they want to do. This is the best running back they've seen since Oregon. 100%. So that is something that is interesting. That can they Is the defense fixed? Have they been able to yeah. stop the run? Or is it just you haven't played guys at the level of Verdell and Ibrahim? And Walker is at that level. Walker's but definitely at that level. Does Walker... yards to 73... I mean that's that's, that's a, a huge improvement. That's Absolutely. a step change. But it part of that too though is their offensive firepower that they've had over the course of the last, you know, 6 weeks or so since that loss to Oregon as well because they're putting up such pressure, you know, they're putting up so many points, so many yards. And even back in that Oregon game, it's forgotten that they put up gobs of yards in that Oregon game. They didn't finish drives. They settled for field goals. And that's what lost them the game. You know, more realistically, that should have been a 10-point win with Oregon doing what they did. And now you're sitting there talking about an undefeated number 2 Ohio State team who is the defense good enough to win because the offense certainly is. You know what I mean? Instead, you're talking about a one-loss Ohio State team where you're having that same conversation but this is a team that's number one in the country with 550 yards per game and number one in the country 46 points per game so this team is is just pummeling people at a high rate so part of that rushing defense has to be attributed to so much pressure being put on these teams Michigan State however is going to need to try to put the ball in Kenneth Walker's hands and take the ball out of C.J. Stroud and and that that Heisman favorite C.J. Stroud that quartet of of receivers over there. When you include tight end Jeremy Ruckert, you got to talk. You got to take a uh, look at Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, uh, Jackson Smith, uh, Nagaba that you've been talking about for weeks now, and then Jeremy Ruckert as well. 
throw in your boy uh, Trayvon Henderson, who you had identified as the newcomer of the year in the Big Ten preseason. That was you. I thought it was you. No, that was you. I see what you did there. Oh, sweet. That was well that, that's nice. That's yeah. it. So oh, that was me. Oh yeah. You're. I mean, you're looking at. I had Kenneth Walker III as my Heisman winner. That's yeah. what you're trying to remember. You're looking at. You're yeah, looking Sean at. Tucker. You're looking at an offense that puts a lot of pressure on other teams. Can Kenneth Walker put up numbers that keeps him in the Heisman race, and or keeps Michigan State in this in this game? And are those two things one and the same? Yeah, they're going to get stuck playing from behind here. Ohio State jumps out on you, and can you sit there and keep running the ball? I think the the problem is Michigan State's defense. There's not going to be able to stop Ohio State. The line was huge. I was like 18 or 19. I think that's too many half. points. I think Walker has his game. Walker will go over 100 in this game. It's not going to be enough. That Ohio State offense is so good. We knew about the receivers coming into this year. You weren't sure about the quarterback. He's been a hit. And then to find Henderson to be able to step in and do what he's done, and that kid, it, well, he lead one of the top kids in the country with whatever. It touches it seven point something yards every oh, yeah. time he touches the ball. Like, good luck stopping him. I don't think they'll be able to. Second in the nation, seven point three four yards per carry. Yeah. And but what the teams did, I I just keep looking at what Purdue and then really where Michigan had success when they were playing against Michigan State was that same thing. They would drop back, open up the middle, and dump it like five to ten yard little dumps to the tight ends and get those third down and long conversions. Uh, Purdue did the same thing. And if you look at what C.J. Stroud, his pass chart, he, he does the same thing. He throws a lot of passes under 10 yards, and you got yards after catch like crazy with these athletic receivers and Ruckert. Um, so I think they're going to be doing a lot of the same game plan. Wide receiver yeah. screens, little quick slants, and then on the deep dropbacks, just really checking down underneath and letting the guys run for yards because it was just such a soft spot in that Michigan State defense. Yeah, Henderson's had a couple 50-plus yard uh, house calls on little screen passes, right? That was our introduction to him. Yeah. That was how we got to meet that kid. His first touch went for, I think, that kind of play. So, I mean, I'm with you, Hennigan. I think that 18.5 is too much here, but it's, it's, I think that Ohio State comes out of this game looking like the number three team in the country, and this will be the game that puts them in and over Oregon finally in these college football playoff rankings. Because Oregon... Oh, so you're taking Utah. Oregon... Uh, we'll get to that game. We'll get to that game, but let's assume for argument's sake that Oregon wins that game in what's probably more of a rock fight than this game, and Ohio State blows out the higher-ranked team in Michigan State than Utah... They, they, they get that bump. They get that jump. Even though they're playing in Columbus, it's a good, favorable matchup for Ohio State. I'd like them to win but not cover. You think that 18.5 points? It, it's it's really a lot. I mean, I'm not surprised it's, it landed between two and three touchdowns. Um, I, I would have thought it would have been closer to 15. But that is – I this could this one has the potential, if I'm circling games that could get out of hand, just because of how perfectly it matches up, you know, with Ohio State, what they're good at, what Michigan State is bad at, I I think it could be like a 24-point win, uh, something in that region for, you know, they might double up. Ohio State has that in them. They're going to be looking yeah. to throw out the style points. They're yeah. going to be looking to get the style points. That's all they know how to do. Oregon's going to play at Utah on the flip side of this of this debate. What did he say? No cover? He said he thought that 18.5 was too much. Too much. Too much. I think Michigan State can hang around in this game. 
Kenneth Walker is good enough. And I like... I don't think they'll like go the away. Kid. I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't think, think they'll go playing, away but. from Walker as quickly as maybe some other teams well, won't have, go have away go from their running game. Because you you have to yeah, go to Walker. To you him. have to feed Walker. He's your best player. And the best chance that you have to slow down the Ohio State offense is to is to keep him off the field. Because as you said, this Michigan State defense is going to have their hands They're last in time full. of possession in the country. Yeah. Michigan State, another DFL stat for Michigan State, last in time of possession. With so a running game good, like that. Yeah, with with a, a running game like running that. Back. Right. I think if, if things start to look bad for you in this game, I think you continue running the ball, and if I'm Michigan State, I'm putting all my eggs in the basket of we want to try to get a Heisman Trophy winner. So just pound the yards, try to run up Kenneth Walker to third yeah. yardage, and because um, it's it's yeah. like him and Sean Tucker they have this little behind the scenes competition for the most uh, rushing yards in the country, and if you're and if you're close. not going to win and the Big close. Ten. Why not try to win the Heisman? Why not try to get a Heisman? Why not try to get a Heisman Trophy or a rushing title? Yeah, they ought to let some folks from Vegas get in on like the college football playoff rankings too. Now that betting is legal, anyways, you know, so there's no like shady business going on there. Now that betting is legal, because it's clear to me, and we've seen some of these clean. We've seen some of these crazy spreads though of these teams that the rankings say these teams are. Four and seven, but Vegas goes no. That's a twenty-point spread, and then we see those spreads, you know, almost clear or even get covered. You know what I mean? And, and it, we've seen it time and time again this season, where you have teams that are supposedly closely ranked, where it, the spread ends up being huge, and that team either comes close to covering or does cover, and it's just. You know, at some point, you have to say, is Michigan State actually the seventh-ranked team in the country when here's this team that's only two spots, three spots ahead of them that they're three touchdown dogs to? But sometimes the, it's always a combination between, all right, Vegas is, I think, the eye test, right? It's the same thing. Like, hey, here's how good they are. The professionals that actually make a living making lines, here's what they're saying. And, and there's a there's importance to be placed in what a spread would be on a neutral site when you're comparing two teams. Sure. But I think you get, if you lean too heavily on that, you lose the resume or what did you accomplish on the field? Because sometimes bad teams or teams that aren't as good win games and the games still have to count. Like, okay, you know, maybe the analytics and the eye test will tell you that Michigan is better than Michigan State but the two teams played a game, and Michigan State won that game. And if we we discount that, like everyone talks about college football, the games, it's the most important regular season. Yeah. Well, they just played a regular season game, and they won the game, yeah. but you're saying it doesn't matter. Michigan State has to be ranked over Michigan, and Oregon has to be ranked over Ohio State if you're talking about it was played on the field. They already played it. Yeah, all, all things being equal. Now, it. if one team like is 6-4 and four, they don't need to be ranked ahead of a team they beat because they upset them, right? Yeah, but right, right. You right. got to look at the whole resume, holistically. The whole well, isn't that, but isn't the that what they've been doing to Cincinnati or the Group Five? All these Group Five teams all along is just doing the uh, not the record; it's the eyeball test. They, so they they can do the Vegas thing to the Group Five teams, but they can't do the Vegas teams. To overrated power conference teams. But it seems like that's what they did with Michigan and Michigan State. They were you saying, know? we think if they lined up again, we think Michigan's better. 
So they did the Vegas thing. They did the Vegas yeah, thing, yeah. That's it, what they did with those two teams um, when they looked at them. They said if they played again today, we think Michigan would beat Michigan yeah. State, regardless of the fact that So Michigan if it's State creeping in, that's my point. If it's creeping in, just let some of these Vegas people, instead of these stuffed shirts, be involved in, in the college football. <laughs> well, the real, I, I just think the real fool's errand is when they start comparing. If, you, if you're talking about better loss, that's where I really, I, I really start to disagree with. So if you're ranking Michigan and Michigan State the way they did because Michigan had a better loss, but it was, but it was to Michigan that State. team. Right. right. That's like Oregon lost to, to Stanford. Like, I mean, they should have plummeted. Stanford stinks. Yeah. You know, it, but you know, Ohio State two, has a better loss, they so they should two, be ahead of yeah, Oregon. They went didn't Ohio Stanford State. just give Florida a great game? I was kind of paying attention, but didn't Stanford just take... Florida right Samford. Oh, that was Samford? That was Samford. Shut up. Yeah. yeah no. no, that was Stanford. Yeah. Believe it or the not. The game was like like I saw Mullen dancing Wait, afterwards no, Dave, celebrating. Samford? Power five yeah. out of conference. Most oh, okay. points My fault. ever I was way off. given up by a Florida team okay. and a half well, of football. I apologize. They've been playing football in Florida for a long that time. Team, I apologize. That team has given up. So here's the other one, and, and we're gonna get to Cincinnati because Cincinnati is, you know, obviously tied to these two teams, these two games. Oh, they are. They love Utah. Oregon is going to play at Utah, where Utah's favored by three. Utah's favored by three in this game. Oregon's going to go on the road to take up. Uh, it, it's a red hot. It's a red hot Utah team, too. I mean, they have, they've looked much, much better since, you know, showing uh, what's-his-face the door and handing the keys to Cameron Rising. They've looked significantly better. Rising, is, at this point, he's thrown for almost 2,000 yards, 14 touchdowns, and only two interceptions on the season. He has taken the reins to that Utah offense and, and, and just driven that to 35, 34 points in five straight games. You know, I mean, they're, they're averaging almost 40 points a game, over 40 points a game with him under center. And this kid is, has taken this Utah offense to new heights. What do you see here? Because Oregon, obviously, again, they're going to rest on that defense, which is with this team, people talk about Oregon being ugly, but that's the, that's the way they play. You know what I mean? LSU made it to a national championship game, winning games 9-6, to six, and people talked about the team being tough, you know, having a stout defense. You know what, what's this crazy? This is how Oregon plays. They play these tight defense, running game type plays. This is the third time this year that this Oregon team has had to play a road game as an underdog. The other two were, they were one-point underdogs at UCLA, which they won. Win. And they were also underdogs at Ohio State. Two touchdown underdogs. Two, two, yeah. yeah. Win. Won Win. both those games. So, trend says they're going to do it again. Oh, is this your? Um, you like the trends, right? With that, that betting site. I normally at. don't no. like trends like that. Okay, you go but, the other way. Oh, the trends get so good, like the, the trends get so confusing too. Though they're like there are five yeah, and you one. Can, you can get they, crossed up real easy. <laughs> you can make whatever you want to believe. Yeah. You when can they, definitely find a trend that when they hand the ball yeah. when yes. they hand the okay. ball off thirty four times in a game, and the other team only hands the ball off under twenty five times in that same game, they win ninety five percent of the time. You're like, what? Did, to further what? But add on to this, Mario as a coach. This is trending. I think he has a ten and seven record as an underdog on the road, a winning record 
on the road as an underdog. But Miami head coach Mario Cristobal, we're we talking about future. Can't afford. No, him. they don't have the money. They can't afford him. USC no, there's no Phil Knight lurking around the Miami campus, luring in. Well, no, is that guy who owns the gym, coaches. right? Wasn't there some gym guy who was going to give NIL deals to uh, everybody Miami? on the team? Everybody on the team got an NIL deal when that news broke. Some guy owned like a local gym. Yeah, he he to Google it. Yeah, in Miami. Oh, I thought his name was Jim. It was, <laughs> oh, it could have been. It was a gymnasium guy. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. GYM. I got lost yes. there. Yeah, Jim Beck. Yeah, that guy. GYM. <laughs> The, the game Jim is Bag interesting. Fisher? The the Oregon team, I'm a big fan. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau has come on. The, that guy, the last game against Washington State, he dominated that game. He was in control of that game defensively. He opens everything else up for that team. So when you're going to go on the road and you bring a running game like they have, and you bring a defense like they have, I like this. So you're saying the value of his cryptocurrency has gone up? I'll have to check like that. Let me check my time. account real quick and see how that's doing. Uh, I heard I'm Elon Musk yet. just dumped a bunch of yeah. that a thing bunch that of I, Kayvon's crypto. Yeah. The thing that I love about Thibodeau, too, is that you've had some of these guys in the past where you just look at them and they go, well, they're freaks. You know, these number one, you know, potential number one pick in the draft guys, your Miles Garrett, in which he's obviously he's worked out quite well. Um you know, the kid from South Carolina, where I just had his name and not Miles Garrett's name. And as I remember Miles Garrett's, it pushed out Clowney's name. But you had these guys in college who they talked about their motor. They talked about them not showing up at time. This Thibodeau kid is a top five pick in the draft and got hurt early this season. And he just keeps playing through it. He never puts the helmet down. He never says, I'm not going to play. You, you see the kid interviewed at the end of games, which he gives a fantastic interview, especially when he's cursing. <laughs> They're like, oh, sorry about that. I don't know if anybody caught his, There's his only interview one of after. His interview still after for for I'm post-game not watching post-game. Yeah. His, That's his, why I like this is 7.30 this dude, weekend. His Finally. interview after the UCLA game, he just starts throwing F-bombs. He's like, we came up with such a great F-ing game plan. And like, the, you know, this the, week he credited his team. He, dude, he's awesome. But he was clearly hurt. Like, he was yeah. barely standing during the interview and just wanted to get the heck out of there. But this kid could have cashed it in, called it, and he hasn't. He's put this team on his back at times, as you just pointed out, Hennigan. And, I mean, if I'm an NFL team, I look at this kid and the talent is there. But Unlike years past with some of these other guys, the motor is there too. It's not just he's a physical freak. It's he's a motor guy as well. I love watching him play. Tune in to this game to watch him play, but there's some other pretty exciting players in this game, including if Tavion Thomas is going to play for Utah. They held him out as a precaution in their last game. right? So that kid, he was healthy enough to play, but they just wanted to sit him because they knew what was coming. And they're playing Arizona. And you do have TJ Pledger. Yeah, I mean TJ Pledger is a nice back transfer from Oklahoma. I mean the kid can play. Um, so you know they yeah, bring Tavion Thomas had eight touchdowns, averaging 170 yards those couple games before this. That kid matters. The Cincinnati transfer, right? Yeah, Tavion Thomas. So if that kid comes back, you're deep at running back. The kid from LSU doesn't even get on the field yep. for them. I like that running game. The defense for Utah is always tough, and the receivers are nice. Right? They're not big-name receivers, but you have good tight ends. The Kobe kid is a nice wide receiver, so they do have weapons offensively. This is I like The three points yeah. make sense to me here because I think they're pretty even teams. 
Yeah. I mean, Utah's only uh, Utah's only allowing 347 yards of offense per game. So that defense is impressive, and they're 19th in the country in sacks per game, so they can get after the quarterback as well. Oregon, a stat that, that Mr. DZ loves, their ability to force turnovers is impressive. That starts with Thibodeau, sort of ends with that talented secondary, that ball-hawking secondary. Wright, that those guys, but yeah. they're sixth nationally in interceptions per game. So that's what they do well. And if they, if, if they can turn you over, that... You know, that can create this problem. That's what you look at the stats of these teams, and you're right, Hennigan. It is incredibly, incredibly close. But that takeaways from Oregon is where they have them. You know, that might be the difference in this game. Because when you look at it, I mean, look at some of these stats. Average points scored per game. Utah, 35.7. Oregon, 35.3. Average points allowed per game. Utah, 23.8. Oregon, 22.6. I mean, these are crazy. Average total yards is within three yards of these two offenses. Total yards allowed is within 20 yards of these two defenses. Giveaways, they both have turned the ball over 11 times. And then you get to that takeaway. Utah's got 12. Oregon's got 19. You know, And, and that's where this game turns for me. That ball hawking. Uh, secondary, both have incredible defensive lines, and whichever one of these guys makes the mistake is going to be the difference in this game. Is it Cam Rising or is it Anthony Brown? I think you're misquoting me there because I've never been a fan of turnover as like a reliable stat. Maybe that was him. You're a completion percentage guy. I'm huh? a completion percentage guy through and through. <laughs> He's third down. I love third down. Third he down loves the third down conversions. I, I, I thought that you said you love the turnovers, the takeaways. No. Teams that teams I love the turnovers. I, I don't think it's uh, it's not consistent enough. It's not. I can't hang my hat on oh, a that's team. Why he was critical of Iowa getting yeah. Yeah. sustainability. Sustainability, yeah. sustainability with sustainability. Iowa was a big thing well, for Dave early Iowa in the year. Was, it's just not there. Iowa and, is clearly huh, not. What do you think? Right. Did that work out? Yeah. How's turnover yeah. margin going for that? Yeah. <laughs> not as good. Yeah. <laughs> Look at him pretending like he's the guy that picked Purdue to beat Iowa. Right. Did you yeah. pick that? Oh, yeah, I picked that. Yeah, there's a second one. Oh, I, I took that week off. <laughs> <laughs> I went with your fool's gold. I went with your fool's gold. Quote. Yeah. It's like, oh, fool's gold? Yeah, that sounds you know, right. You know. That sounds right. Who, who do you like here, Zeke? Who do you like? Is, is Utah more sustainable then? Oh, you know, this this is a, it's going to be a good game. I think about, of the games we're working through, this this is the one where it's this is going to be a tight game, no matter what happens. And it's a... Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm a little torn. The fact that they're probably going to play for the championship in a couple weeks, like, is that a good thing for the Pac-12? Is it not? It, it's not a good thing for Oregon it, it, to to not have another team that's a mark because we get to the Cincinnati game next. But Cincinnati is going to get a chance to beat this SMU team, who's the third best team in the American. And if they beat them, they're going to get a chance to beat Houston, who's the second best team in right. the American. You know what I mean? And both of these teams are what? One of them's nine and one, or eight and one, and one of them's eight and two, and so they're both right there with good records. You beat Utah, you're going to knock Utah possibly out of the top twenty-five. And then, and then you beat them again, you knock them out again. Yeah, and then it ends up that you beat a six and six Utah team or a seven yeah. and six Utah team, who's really a good team, except they had to get two losses against. A top five team right. in Oregon. Right. 
And, and they have some bad losses, but they had some bad losses yeah, early. If in you want to go down that path, you could go that way with Georgia too. If Georgia loses to Alabama, who is Georgia beat? You know, like Georgia will have zero wins over ranked teams at the end of the year. If you want to get into that game, I test. Well, yes, yeah, so you're going to pick the eye test with Georgia, but you're going to go all these stats and who have they played. Alabama beats yeah. Georgia. Georgia has zero so, wins over ranked teams. Well, I think you're misunderstanding me. I'm not going to because I, I like this well, Utah they, team. Well, so the they, I'll say. The, that's the they. Those that's, that's the Georgia would be in the they. same place as Oregon in that play, like in that situation. They both have zero wins over ranked right. teams at the end of the year. Right. I, 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 or Oregon would have the Ohio State. Oregon, Oregon, so Ohio Georgia State. sitting there with zero Oregon has one. Oregon's Ohio State win being disregarded is one of the most flabbergasting things. No, that's why they're ahead of football them. season this year. But I mean, it, it it's just, the, it's definitely it's, not disregarded. It's, it's just I, I'm talking about just as people discuss Oregon and that they're going to inevitably lose. And watch now that I say this, they're going to go out and lose this weekend to Utah. But it, that they're not that good of a team. They're almost treating. Oregon beating Ohio State like it was Purdue beating Iowa or something like that. Oregon in that game was missing significant defensive talent. Thibodeau, right? All over. Thibodeau, Flo was out. I mean, they they had dudes out all over the field. Uh, That corner was out. They had dudes out all over the field, and they still pulled off that game. Yeah. And And we're pretending like Oregon... Does not have a really who has a good better win than team. at Ohio State. I I don't know. Not like I don't you know. You beat Ohio who. State by a touchdown in the horseshoe. Yeah, I, I don't Cincinnati's know. Cincinnati's Notre Dame win is right up there, but that Texas A and M won at home yeah. against Alabama. Yeah. Right, that was at yeah. Kyle. Field. But it's right in the mix. Think of That's those games nice we're win. talking about. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like Oregon in this game, or especially plus three because it is going to be a tight game. But I like Oregon here. The running game for Oregon is so effective. Verdell goes down, die steps in, and then this Cardwell. The reason why people at USC want Crystal Bowl so, so bad, you have the top-ranked running back from California is sitting there and went to Oregon yeah. and knew he was going to play. Be, he was going to be the third stringer yep. at Oregon. Still goes, and now that kid yeah. looks phenomenal. He's oh. just going to be the next man up at Oregon. We talked about Cardwell weeks ago on this program and, and identified him as that guy that they went down into California they pulled him out, brought him up to Oregon, and he's a stud running back yes. who you just didn't know about him because they had Travis Dye and C.J. Verdell. Right. You know, if they didn't have those guys, you'd have been like, all right, well, they got Brian Cardwell coming in, and he's going to be, you know, a, a, a Travion. He's going to be a, um, a, a the kid from Clemson. Why is his name escaping Shipley. me right now? Shipley. Yeah, he's going to be a Shipley. You know, but they didn't talk about this kid because people just figured he wasn't going to play. Now sure, that he's yeah. playing, he's showing what you, what he can do. He's a stud. So give me the running game and the defense of Oregon to to beat up Utah here. Field goal game. I like Utah to win this game, and um, I I've, when I saw the schedule lining up for the past couple weeks, where they're going to have to basically play Utah twice. I really felt like they they weren't going to get through those two, and this one being at Utah, I think, is the tougher one than playing in a, at a neutral sure, site. Yeah. Um, so, so this is the trap. This is the tough game at the back end of their schedule. I like um, Utah's defense, and I, I think they line up well. They match up well against this team, and I, I like Utah. Yeah. And I, or, Oregon. The past two weeks, they have really struggled. They didn't look impressive against Washington State. And they barely pulled away from Washington. Right. But Utah didn't look good against Arizona. That game was a hurricane. 
Utah didn't look good against Arizona no, last that's week. That's what started to give me some pause about Utah. And their defense awful. is very good. The Lloyd kid is a to freak. Arizona, they played, they blew out, you know, Stanford, a decent teams. Stanford and Even UCLA. Stanford. Well, UCLA, that's a good UCLA. UCLA is a nice one. UCLA is a good team, and they blew them out. So they doubled up on them. Right. I mean, they've been playing well lately. I think if you compare, like, how a team has been playing in the past two or three weeks, I think Utah has been playing better than Oregon. Thomas has looked looked awesome in that UCLA game. I mean, he looked like he popped. He was the best player on the field. Hopefully he's healthy. I want to see a fully healthy game I want to see him healthy. This game, game to me, is, is... the game of the day. I, I I think as you look back on it, and, sure, and maybe yeah. maybe there's like this team, this this game between unranked teams. As we look at some of those under the radar games that we get there, maybe there's one of those games that's like a, a a five overtime classic or something like that. But as you're talking about these marquee games that matter for the college football playoff, this is the one I have circled as that as that must must watch game because I think it's yeah. going to be good start to finish. SMU Cincinnati. We're going to get to that game. Cincinnati is a almost a two touchdown favorite. You know, Ohio State's almost a three touchdown favorite against Michigan State. You're gonna tune into those games and be like, "Is this game close? Is it worth watching?" You know, kind of thing. But you're you're gonna have to watch this this Oregon Utah game from start to finish because I think it's gonna be a nip tech affair the, the entire time. And As the we go landscape those, of college football, everybody wants Oregon to lose. Yeah. So you're watching well, this game going. Everybody cares about this. I like that it's later in the day. You'll play and the Cincinnati, in. the since and so you get so you get it's great because you get Ohio State's going to play Michigan State at noon. Cincinnati's going to play SMU at three thirty. You like how I'm using my hand signals, even though this is a radio <laughs> podcast. Like a it podcast. helps me though. Yeah. And, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and then at seven thirty, Oregon is going to play uh, Utah. So this sequence of games is going to be really cool because that's really what we're talking about here, right? Three, four, five, that range right there. Because one, two is going to sort of work itself out, and then your six, seven, eight, nine range is going to work itself out. It's more fun if Oregon loses. Notre Dame has... You you are really saying that as an elitist snob. You To have a little guy, a a non-Power 5 team, possibly get into the playoff, that no, makes I'm you not an elitist snob. Right. I just like the best teams. I think Cincinnati. So that, I, I think case, Cincinnati think belongs. Cincinnati. Cincinnati five is cool. Right I now. think Cincinnati belongs. I mean, well, I, five I, is fine. Yeah. But you, you would see them. Well, you didn't listen like to the right podcast now. last year, Dave. Yeah, I was all about Cincinnati. Yeah. I, I, no, I, this is all new. I, I mean, I this think, is all new. You're a couple years ago. I, I think Cincinnati. I think you haven't changed. Oh no, people I, don't change. I think Cincinnati belongs. I mean, this is not this Group Five team where you're like, there's, there's no chance. Like, oh, if yeah, let's you, get to that game. If you line up Cincinnati against Michigan State, Michigan State would pound on them. That's not this Group Five team. In fact, I'd probably take Cincinnati on a neutral field against Michigan State. I mean, this yeah. team is loaded. Is loaded. Their defense. You look at their defense. They've got you know two NFL guys on the D line, two NFL guys in the secondary. And in Dave's probably, favorite stat with turnover yeah, margin, probably an number NFL, one. I hate that stat. Probably an NFL guy uh, at at linebacker. You know, you're talking about when you have Kobe Bryant, Ahmad Gardner, Malik Van, Maje Sanders, Curtis Brooks, and Darian Beavers. Like there's there's five. What we just named six guys who are probably going to the NFL. That's not what group five teams usually have. Group five teams usually have a MyJ Sanders and then nobody else. 
or maybe you have an Ahmad Gardner and nobody else. Group five these teams guys, usually throw the ball all over the place, and that's what you're attracted to with yeah, a lot of those teams. These guys, UCF and teams like that. These guys have 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 a bunch of them, and and I think when you look at this team, and maybe this SMU game is going to be the first kind of full game that you tune in, or first game that you pay close attention to because you want to see them play, you know, a legit passing attack, and this is a very very legit passing attack. You want to see him go up against Tanner Mordecai. You're going to tune in and you're going to see a group five team. Win, lose, or draw, but you're going to see a group five team that doesn't really look like a group five team across that defensive line and in that secondary and on that defense, let alone on that offense. Has the shine kind of come off Cincinnati a little bit with their, you know, in recent weeks watching them because they really struggled against Tulane. That first half against Tulane wasn't very good. They, they almost completely choked against Tulsa and lost that game. That would have been the, just the most embarrassing. That Cincinnati Steve may have been, like, you probably would have taken his belt and shoelaces from him. That was a bad situation for him. <laughs> um, so I, I just get this feeling in the past couple of weeks that there are some question marks coming up with Cincinnati that really didn't come up in the beginning of the year when they looked a lot better. I, I mean, I get that. I, I, I So I get that that perception but i think that that perception is a little bit unfair to cincinnati because they're a group five team How dare you, what Dave. what they <laughs> what they actually did is they won the stanford game where oregon didn't play well and lost cincinnati had a game where they didn't play well but they still won they won That's rule one they won the tcu game where baylor didn't play well and lost to tcu you know they they had that game and they won that game so Yes, you know, have they had some games where they haven't played up to their capabilities? For sure. And this team cannot afford to lose a single game. If they lose a game, they're done. They're not 9-1 and Michigan State who lost to Purdue, who may or may not be good, but, I mean, they're, not, they're certainly not great. They'd get treated like Oklahoma with a loss. They would plummet. They would plummet. They would oh, plummet. They'd drop five, six spots for sure. But the key is, is that they have not lost those games. And if you watch those games, you realize that they just need to wake up. They sleepwalk at times because they are not being challenged. But they just light up a team and then start going through the motions. And then go back, come back out in the second half and start playing again. It, it just it's a frustrating thing to watch, and you wonder if they can turn it on for a full sixty minutes against you know say say an Oregon or an Ohio State or whoever they're going to have to play. But if they get there, they belong. I mean, th- this team you watch them play and they belong. Jerome Ford is a legit well, NFL let's talk about running that, back. That's what concerns me. Cincinnati, the running. Attack both sides is the storyline for me here because Jerome Ford, that's their Kenneth Walker the third. Kenneth Walker the third, 17 rushing touchdowns. Jerome Ford, 15. 15. Kenneth Walker is averaging 6.49 yards per carry, 11th in the country. Jerome Ford is 12th in the country. It's 6.3 yards per carry. So they're putting up very similar numbers. Ford out last week. Were they holding him out just to keep him fresh for this game with Cincinnati? So that, that kid is that important to that team. That if he is not healthy, this is a very different team to me. 100%. 100%. And Ritter gets a lot of the publicity for this team because he's the quarterback of the number five team in the country. And he's a talented kid. I mean, there were times 
where and it wasn't just me two years ago it was it was you know there was there was people calling for Ritter's job because they had some freshman who was a more pure passer I was pro Ritter by the way that people wanted in you were pro Ritter I will give you that yep Ritter has improved his passing he's maybe still not a pure passer but he's an athletic kid great with his legs runs this offense very well but Jerome Ford is the guy that makes this offense go 100 percent. and if he's not healthy this could get dicey because the SMU offense is legit, very legit. Well, and you brought up their passing game, but to me, the Cincinnati inability to stop the run is the concern, right? They're like 70th in the country against the run, and you bring in an SMU team that now the Bentley kid is back. He was back last week, went for almost 100. The Siggers kid was doing a great job. I think they both went for almost 100 each last week. Yep. And Cincinnati has struggled against the run. And so you have a dynamic passing offense that's slightly banged up for SMU. Some guys left that last game with injuries, or I think Roberson and Gray both left with injuries, but the Rice kid is nice, and Calcaterra is a power five tight end that they throw out there. So they have a very good passing offense in a rushing offense that's super effective against the team. Yeah, they force turnovers, but they can't stop the run. It's interesting because this there's not a whole lot of teams in the country whose spread is this thin. I mean, Cincinnati's got a 13-yard spread between the passing yards they give up and the rushing yards they give up. I mean, you're talking about most teams, this is a 150-yard spread between how many passing yards you give up and how many rushing yards you give up. Cincinnati only gives up 165 rushing yards per game, and they give up 151 and a half uh, rushing yards per game. So it, 165 passing, 152, we'll call it, rushing yards that they give up. Like, that's incredible. The spread, the SMU spread is 150. They need it's, to bring the rush defense they had against Notre Dame. Like, if they, if that's what we saw, the way they were able to bottle up Notre Dame in that game, that's what they need to have here. The SMU is that good running the ball. So we, the passing offense gets a lot of the hype here. Yeah. But if, they, if that game early on, if you're seeing SMU be able to pick up chunks running the game, Cincinnati, you're in trouble. Could, it could get taste. But it, I love know, Bentley. Is for the that, name and everything. You have Bentley versus Ford. Bentley. This Bentley game is versus Bentley versus Ford. <laughs> UB4. This is a great game. Ulysses Bentley, the fourth. Both, both of the teams have really comparable offenses if you look at them. I mean, they, they both average about 40 points per game. And mm-hmm. if you look at the offensive statistics, these two teams are pretty similar. But, I mean, Cincinnati may have a weakness sometimes against the run. But they are considerably better across the board than SMU's defense. Oh yeah, SMU's defense gives up like, um, you know, ten points per game more. Yeah, a hundred more yards per game. Yeah, and then for Mister Takeaways here, Cincinnati is at <laughs> 20, takeaway. twenty-eight takeaways <laughs> this year. SMU defense has had thirteen, so they've more than doubled them up on, on turnovers over the course of the year. So it's just such a discrepancy on the defensive side of the ball, yeah. that Cincinnati is so much stronger defensively. Yeah. Oh, it's, and it's now, a team that gets after the quarterback, too. I don't know. I mean, are sacks in with, with turnovers? Do people hate sacks as well? Because those seem you like love more sacks, right? consistent. Sacks those seem like a more consistent. Big sacks. They've got big sacks. Big, big sacks. Yeah. Yeah. Love the sack. Yeah. Davey Big Sack. Danny, Danny Turnover <laughs> Sack. <laughs> the, you know, they got the, this, this, this Cincinnati team has like four guys with at least two. You know, sex. four or five guys with two, at least two sacks, then another two sacks. <laughs> Saw it once at a fair. Back, but back to you, Dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, two sack Dan. Uh, big sack. Oh, uh, big, big two. 
the, I think this is SMU. They'll probably what's their endowment? They're well endowed on the offensive <laughs> side of the ball, and uh, I think uh, it, might, it must be the the most endowed offensive team that Cincinnati has played this year. Maybe Notre Dame. You can the make Connor the Conor McGregor of the teams they played. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Get so, back on track, Aaron. <laughs> So, I, to throw the defensive, obviously Cincinnati has a, a superior defense when you're lining these two teams up. Absolutely. But, again, you can't discount the fact that this is one of the best offensive teams that Cincinnati's going to face all year, especially in this conference. And if they're off, if they're offense, if Ritter isn't clicking, SMU's going to run up on them real quick, and it's going to be closer. So, I, d- I didn't mean to portray when I put those defensive stats out there that I thought Cincinnati is – is going to dominate this game. It's going to be a close game. Um, they certainly have the advantage defensively, but SMU offense is, is impressive. What's the spread in this game? Uh, it's like 11 and a half. Is it? Yeah, 11 and a half. Cincinnati's favored by 11 and a half. It's at Cincinnati. It's at Cincinnati. And, and really, I think Cincinnati oh, right. Cincinnati kind of needs that. They got, Cincinnati that got a favorable conference schedule this year. That's smart. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. That's absolutely what you should do. Um, And no Houston in the regular season. That no Houston in the regular season could work out nice for them for that exact reason that we were just talking about with having to double down play in Utah. Oregon, Utah, yeah. Let Houston, and Houston's got to win their ball games, but if Houston wins out. Well, Houston's already in the conference championship game. Yes, but you still want them to win the rest of their ball games, obviously. If Houston wins out, you know, they're in there. And and you're facing they've got they got to sneak into the top twenty five right if they're if they're a ten and Houston, one eleven and they're in they're already in twenty three they're in tonight yeah. as of tonight that's the back I love looking at the back five and you knew Houston getting oh, it's in. important it's Cin- super but that's important Cincinnati is getting respect be- Houston's in because you want to see Cincinnati with a ranked opponent there. yeah so they're making sure they're yeah. doing like for a group of five team to get that type of support because we pay attention as back five yeah. And when you saw that slip in, it was like, oh, they used to do it for Clemson. Clemson would have, in the back end? Yep. Clemson would have no ranked Big opponents. Sack. And then you'd see a Pittsburgh pop in there. Well, the hand gestures were again. distracting. <laughs> <laughs> Big sack talk, and then he's doing this. I, the, the thing that, that, that with Cincinnati, too, and you, and you talked about you know the running game for SMU. You know, Tanner Mordecai has had a remarkable season, and it and it it bears it bears you know mentioning because this SMU team has just kind of gone down the line with with they had Shane Bouchel, then they bring in another transfer in this Tanner Mordecai kid, and then they've got a five star kid sitting over there on the bench. We don't know if if that. They gave him if a that, one play. If that, that coach is still going to be over there at SMU for much longer. But this Mordecai kid, 70%. He's got over 3,000 yards passing already. 37 touchdowns and the 10 interceptions. 10 interceptions. He broke Shane Bouchelle's record of 34. concerning. Correct. So this is a team that can beat you. Um, it's it's it's. This game will be nice as well. I think that this game, it, 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 to me... 11 and a half is too many points, and that's not a knock on Cincinnati. That is SMU is, I think, a better team than they're getting credit for. This SMU team is is, is a solid ball club. The difference is the defenses. Dave, you brought it up. Cincinnati's defense is 
Very good. SMU's is not. So Cincinnati wins this game. If I had to bet on it, I would take the 11.5 points. It seems like a lot for an offense. It could get some touchdown late in the game. So they could be down 17, 18 points late in this game and then throw some back touchdown. Door. Yeah, like back door yeah. cover. It's but, got backdoor cover. It does have backdoor cover written, backdoor cover yeah. written yeah. all over. I would stay 100%. away from that because of that idea. To, have, to get SMU plus that many points, yeah, they'll yeah. just throw it the whole game. So if they're down, and they'd be comfortable doing that. So even if Cincinnati jumps up two touchdowns, now you're dealing with SMU just chucking it all over yeah, the place. throwing it around. I feel the same way. I feel backdoor cover, SMU. I take SMU on the points. Cincinnati's going to win the game. Cincinnati to win. Look, we have one more game to discuss, but we've got some under-the-radar stuff. We've got some upset alerts to discuss. We're going to handle and cover all of that stuff on part two of this evening's episode, which will be coming right back at you. As far as this episode goes, we want to give a special thanks to Founders, which is just a great classic craft brewery. They have a Centennial IPA, Centennial India Pale Ale, that we enjoyed tonight, as well as our friends from Buffalo. This resurgence uh, brewery in Buffalo is really an up-and-coming brewery. I've enjoyed some of the stuff we've we've got to sample from them lately. This was a Micro Cluster Busters, a Buffalo-style IPA that was absolutely delicious. That is it for this episode. As always, you can check us out. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Henny and Patron. You can listen and subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Go on, rate and review us. Follow on Spotify, Anchor, Stitch, and essentially anywhere podcasts are found. Check out our page on Facebook, Henny and Patron, the two drink minimum, or friend me at Dan Patron. I am Dan Patron. He is Kevin Hennigan. <laughs> I just coughed. <laughs> I am Dan Patron. He is Kevin Hennigan. He is DZ. That is it for part one. Check us out. Come back for part two. Cheers. Cheers. Sure.